Today's scripture reading for Christmas Eve, also known as the Nativity Story, comes to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Kind of a long one, so, you know, brace yourselves just a little bit. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee in Judea to Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth, laying him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. There is a joke that goes around kind of a pretty good description of people from the Midwest. Why would I fly somewhere when it only takes eight hours to drive there? There's some truth in that statement. How many of us would rather save the money of a plane ticket if we can drive somewhere in less than a day? This has long described me. I definitely fall in that category, but I have noticed something about myself as I get older. I am less and less inclined, less and less excited, less and less wanting to go on these road trips for basically no reason. When I was younger, I would hop in the car and just drive and drive and drive and it wouldn't bother me at least. Now, eh, I'm a little more hesitant and I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, this tendency in me, which admittedly is nothing more than laziness, but that this tendency in me might just have something in common with a couple of our characters from what we call the Christmas story or the nativity story today. As our story picks up, we begin at the global scale, or at least the Roman Empire scale. And we hear about a couple of really big wigs. We've got the emperor, and we've got a specific governor, and it's during this period of time that the emperor decides we need to have a census, which basically just means, hey, more taxes, I like it. So everyone within the Roman Empire has to go to their ancestral home and be registered, and that's essentially what's going on. That is the setting for this whole deal. Now, as we pick up, we have these two individuals from this little, tiny, backwater, ragtag town called Nazareth in the northern part of what we now call Israel, and they have to go from 
Nazareth in the north all the way down to a little town just outside the city of Jerusalem. It's about a hundred mile journey and they have to because Joseph, the guy that we hear about, his family is, is the family of David who was from the Bethlehem area. So that's where he has to go. And to follow all the rules, he also has to take Mary, who's like his fiance. They're betrothed. They're not. They're 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 sort of married and they're sort of not married. But uh, they have to go together to be registered in this place. Now, what we also hear about Mary is that she's expecting a child. Now, maybe you're familiar with the story. Maybe you know how it goes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've never heard it before. But I tend to think, if you're watching this, it's probably a story that's familiar. Now we know that Mary is pregnant with the one who would be born Jesus, who would be the Messiah, the promised one of God, and that, that it's conceived of the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's conceived of God. This is all a huge miraculous thing. But the only thing that I can think about in their given situation is in this moment, they have to go on a road trip that they probably really don't wanna go on. Mary is nearing the end of her pregnancy. And they can't just hop in the car and go this hundred miles. They have to go on foot or maybe riding like a donkey or something. They have to basically go really, really slowly and even more slowly because of Mary's condition. I can only imagine that just like I'm lazy and I don't like going on road trips just to hop in the car and spend a lot of time just to go and be somewhere just to turn around and come back again. They probably don't want to do this either, but it's the law. They have to. And so they set out on this journey. And there are countless other people who are doing the exact same thing. So when they finally get to Bethlehem, when they finally get to where they're going, everybody's there. There's tons and tons and tons of people there. People are crammed in everywhere, so there's really no space. And it's during this time when they're basically tucked away in the only corner that they can find, the area where the livestock are normally kept in this particular location, that it's time for the baby and the baby is born. Now I can only imagine Joseph and Mary are probably both kind of losing their minds over this. They're away from home. They're away from everything that's familiar. They're both young. Mary herself probably would only have been about 13 or 14 years old. Very, very, very young. She's never had a baby before. They're in unfamiliar circumstances, scared out of their mind. This has to be terrifying. But this is what happens. The baby is born and they lay him in the only place that's available, the manger, the spot where we put the feed the, the, the food for the animals there in this little corner. Now, when this is all going on, I can only imagine that in the very least, once Jesus is born, once the baby is born, maybe they feel like, well, we can try and relax as best we can because at least that's over. But there's more to the story. We also hear in that region, there's some other individuals living out in the fields, the shepherds. The lowest, lowliest of the low, the ones who are pushed kind of out to the margins and the only way that they can make a living because of whatever situation has placed them there is to be out caring for the flocks. And it's the middle of the night. They're all, the flocks are bedded down. The shepherds are probably just trying to keep themselves awake when out of nowhere, this angel shows up and this light shines around them. And I can only imagine it's terrifying. And they bring this message. We bring you good news of great joy. For to you is born today in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then all these other angels show up and they're all singing glory to God in the highest. Glory, 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 glory. I'm not going to sing for you, so don't worry about it. But there's all of this going on that has to be terrifying for the shepherds to have this happen literally out of nowhere. And whenever we hear about an angel show up, it always sounds like it's scary. So they've just got to be losing their minds too, terrified. But this news is brought to them. To these unexpected individuals, this amazing situation, 
that seemingly is happening out of nowhere is brought to them. And then the angels depart and the, the shepherds are kind of like, well, what do you think? Should we go check it out? And they decide that they're going to. We know they're in the region. We don't know exactly how close they are, but they have to apparently go on a little unexpected road trip as well. Maybe it's a short distance. Maybe it's a little bit longer. We don't exactly know. But they get into Bethlehem. They get into town and they search and they search and they search and they search. And finally, they too find the correct place. And they walk in, and I can only imagine that Mary's trying to maybe get a little bit of sleep, and these shepherds show up and like, hey, can we see your kid? But the shepherds share the message that had been given. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel told us we would find you. The angel told us that this would happen, and now here it is. And they talk about these things, and then the shepherds depart, and they tell everyone that they encounter about what has happened. And we hear that Mary and Joseph are still kind of there, and Mary treasures all these things in her heart, which maybe she waited until the next day to treasure. She just had a baby after all. She was probably a little bit tired. But that's the story. Again, for many of us, especially in the church setting, it's a familiar one. It's the same story that we hear every single year. And sometimes I find myself wondering, what is it about this story that is so important? We oftentimes joke that there are two really big days within the church. One is Christmas and the other is Easter. It's kind of like we have two Super Bowls. What is it about this one that is so, so important? And what is it that we bring to the table when we hear this story? Now, I can't help but think that every single year, we're bringing a little bit something different. Our situation has changed. Our, our lives have changed. Maybe something major has happened in the, in the year since we had heard it that makes us hear it and encounter this story just a little bit differently. And yet we always come back to it. So much so that a year ago, 365 days ago, when we were in the midst of COVID, and yes, COVID's not gone, but in the midst of COVID, when we were not gathering in person here in my congregation, we actually had 60 people show up outside in our parking lot in sub-zero temperatures just to hear this story, and everybody held up their cell phones with the, the flashlight on so we could have our candlelight light shining in the darkness. What is it about this story that made people be willing to do that? And what is it about this story that will bring people here this year when we're back inside the sanctuary? And you can see we've got the, the tree is up and the candles are ready and all of that is, is a part of this. What is it about this story that we want to hear over and over and over again, year in and year out? Folks, stories are important and we all have stories. We have stories that we tell about the, our lives, things that happened in the past, things from within our families or within our friend groups. My, my wife likes to joke around with me all the time that whenever I'm with my siblings, we tell the exact same stories and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh. Or whenever I'm with my really close friends that I've known for years, we tell the same stories and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh. And it's true. We do these things because those stories, whether they were things that literally happened or whether they're just other random stories that we tell, they tell a truth about ourselves. And they reveal a truth about who we are and what has brought us to this time. I believe that this same situation also applies to this story, this amazing story about a God who has promised us over and over and over again to be with us a God who has expressed the desire to be with us and be in relationship with us so much 
that that divine being who is so much more and other and different than we are chose to humble and become human, to be born in the most humble circumstances any of us can ever think of, to come into this world, to live among us as one of us, and to live and to die and to raise again in order to overcome the power of sin and brokenness and death. This is the story that begins when we are reminded that the great being, whatever God is, desires to be with us so much that this happens. Now, when we think about this story, perhaps it feels so distant. Perhaps it feels so utterly separated because of of culture and because of distance and because of time but there's something in there and it's in the angel's message that I think is vitally important for all of us to hear to you is born this day a savior to you when we think about the way that stories affect us and that stories help us to understand truths about ourselves and who we are, I think it's also important that we all recognize that we all have that voice in the back of our head that tells us we're not good enough. That voice of the imposter syndrome of I don't really belong here. I don't, I'm not good enough to be a part of this. This isn't for me. This is only for someone else. But what the nativity tells us, what the Christmas story tells us is that God will humble himself to become as one of us, showing us that there is no length that God will not go to in order to be with you. And the message of the angel is for all people. To you is born this day a savior. This message is for all people. When we gather for Christmas, when we hear this story, when we read this story and are reminded of the ways that our Lord entered into our reality literally and tangibly and physically as one of us. This divine man who is also God is born this day to you. May we remember that in the midst of the darkness of winter. May we remember that given whatever our circumstances are today, whether things are joyful or whether things maybe are feeling kind of rough, may we hold on to the joy and the promise that God desires to be with you so much that God will be born in a stable, laid in a manger, in a humble, humble, humble way. May we hold on to that.